The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters or still waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You've anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, last week we did the first three verses of this uh, psalm, and uh, we talked about the fact that uh, God provides. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And that doesn't mean, as we we saw last week, that you're going to get everything that you want, but because that word want means lack. You are not going to lack what you need. You shall not want because he will give you what you need. Just like a parent gives to their children what they need, not necessarily everything they want. Because parents know better than the kids. So uh, anyway, so this week... We're going to move on over and we're going to be looking uh, at a couple of more verses. Verses four and five starts out, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I don't know if you know this. Most of us can figure it out if we stop and think about it. But the number one fear uh, that humans have is death. And uh, that's the number one fear. You might disagree. I've had a lot of people uh, tell me that uh, uh, I'm more afraid of snakes than I am of dying. And you stop and think about it, though. Why are you afraid of snakes? Because you're afraid one's going to bite you and you're going to die. So, you know, ultimately, it's the fear of death. You know, some say, uh, now actually, uh, uh, well, let's see there. Some people say, I'm afraid of heights. And uh, really, you're not afraid of heights. You're afraid of falling off of there and dying. So you see, it's dying that's the greatest fear. You may have something else that you fear more than death. But overall, this is the number one fear that all humans share. And here's what I want to tell you about our good shepherd. He takes the number one fear that we have and he has annihilated it. It's no longer a fear. Uh, There's no fear of death anymore for a believer. There's no fear of death because if you have received him as your Lord and uh Uh, and Savior, and you're following him as your Lord, 
Uh, death has lost its sting. And when you die, it's not the end. It's just a change of address. And you have a reservation. We've talked about that several times. You have a reservation. If you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your room is ready. The Lord's promised it for you. And so it's there. Jesus does this. He protects us. And you see what he's done. He's taken the most horrible thing we face and just totally obliterated it and turned it into a door into greater life. So I want us to look through these these, these verses. And the first thing I want us to see about the ways that he protects us And here's number one. He is with us in the battle. He's with us in the battle. And I could have just put he's with us. And and that's true. But you see, we're always in a battle every day. There's uh, the, the battle of the world coming against us. The enemy is, uh, is trying to distract us and to bring harm to us. There is a battle as long as we're in this world. And so I put battle at the end or in the battle at the end because there is a battle going on. And he is with us in this battle that we face every day. Now, listen to verse four again. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for, is the next word. And remember that word for is a preposition. And in this particular case, you can substitute because there. It means the same as because. And so uh, you can substitute for uh, with because. So it's because. So here's the reason I don't have any fear. Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now listen, he's uh, not cheering for you from the stands. Some people have this idea of God being way up somewhere, looking down through some sort of a observatory telescope thing where he can somehow see us all at one time. You know, we just can't, it's a mind boggling when you think about it, but he's far away. And some people have this deistic attitude that he set this old world to spinning and now he just sits up there and wrings his hands and So I hope you make it, but that's not our God. That's not our Lord. He is with us. He's with you. And I want to explain how he's with you. Uh, Even though he is seated at the right hand of the father, and maybe you've never understood this theologically, but it's really easy to understand. And we'll look at this in just a second. So he is interceding for you at the right hand of the father, but he is actually with you. If you remember right before he ascended into heaven, he said, lo, I am with you always. Lo, I'm with you 
even to the end of the age. Now, there's some people that take this and they couple it with their fear of flying, you know. And uh, there's one guy who was asked, why is it that uh, you, know, you, you shouldn't be afraid of flying? You know, the Lord's with you. And they said, no, it says, lo, I am with you. <laughs> so, but this is L-O, not L-O-W, okay? That means, see, I'm with you. Lo, here I am. I'm with you. For lo, I am with you, even to the end of the age. And then he ascends. So how is he still with them? Well, Emmanuel means God with us. And so God is with you. But here's how uh, he explains that Jesus will never leave you or forsake you, that he is with you, even though he's at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. In John fourteen sixteen, it says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. And that word advocate refers to somebody who's going to fight for you. Uh, it's We use it uh, to talk about attorneys. And we hire attorneys to fight for us in a court of law. And so an advocate is somebody that stands up for you, is there for you, is with you. It means one who walks alongside with you and still is there as a champion for you. You will, and it says, uh, who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. Now watch this statement. But you know him. Have you read this passage? I don't know how many times, but look at this. But you know him. Because he lives with you now and later will be in you. And so uh, uh, he's, uh, he says, no, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Okay, so here's what we need to understand. Theologically, God, the Lord, our God. Remember, it says, hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God is one. And yet he expresses himself, you see, in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So what you have to remember is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And uh, we affirmed this in the Nicene Creed today, didn't we? But here's what Jesus said. He said, I'm going to send to you God. I'm going to send God to live in you, the Holy Spirit. But you already know him because he's been living with you right now. In other words, he's talking about himself. But we get hung up on, well, is it the Father? Is it the Son? Is it the Holy Spirit? It's God. It's God. That's what we need to understand. He's saying God is living with you right now. See, you already know God. And I'm just going to send God to you. 
When I leave, God's going to come. But you know him because you've been living with him for three years now. So he's still God. But again, he expresses himself in three persons. But uh, here, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. So he says the Holy Spirit is coming and he is going to be with you. He is with us. And he says, I will not abandon you. I won't leave you as orphans. And then he says this, I, I will come to you. And so many times, again, we misunderstood scriptures. We think that, that scripture um, is uh, talking about the second coming. But what that's talking about is the coming of the Holy Spirit. And there's a second, there is a second coming, no doubt about it. But I think that sometimes we get focused on it, that we, so on that, that we don't enjoy the fact that the Holy Spirit has come and God is with you. Jesus is with you. The Father is with you. The Holy Spirit is with you. He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments and I'll love you. And my father will love you and we will come and make our abode in you. Do you see how they're not separable? Really? They're all the, they all, and sometimes we refer to the Holy Spirit as the spirit of Christ, but he's a part of God. It's a expression of God and he's present with us. In other words, even though we live in a fallen world, we don't have to sit around and wait for the rapture bus because God is with you right now. God with us. So if Jesus comes today, great. But if it's a thousand years from now, that's okay too. And I'm going to live like it. I'm going to look for him today, but I'm going to live like it's a thousand years from now. And I'm going to try to win my generation and the next generation to Christ. And so that's the way we live. Then I want you to notice he makes this statement. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, did you ever bop into the principal's office and see that paddle up there and say, your paddle comforts me? <laughs> no, no. No, I can remember. Uh, oh, well, I won't get into all this. One time I made, I'll tell you anyway, I made a, I made a, my kids just got to where they were so yin, yin, yin at each other that I made a paddle. It was about yay long. I don't know. You remember this, Mary? Yeah, it's about this long. It was about that thick. I took a board and I, I, I thinned it down. And I made it was just the perfect paddle, the perfect shape. Had a, one of my first uh, handiworks of making something by hand was this paddle, and so uh, it was beautiful. I finished it, and uh, it just fit and balanced up over a doorway in the house, so that every time the kids went through there, they'd look up and they'd see the paddle, and they'd read it was a reminder to them 
that they needed to be nice to each other. You know, so uh, anyway, uh, but, uh, you know, but, but here he says, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Now, I want you to notice this. This is why they comfort us. It's very simple. He doesn't hit the sheep with the rod. The rod's not for the sheep. The rod is to hit the enemy and the staff is to rescue you. It has that crook to pull you out whenever you get in bad spots. I saw, maybe y'all seen this video. It's going around on the internet right now. There's this poor lamb that's caught in a, in a ditch and it's struggling and it's struggling and it can't get out. And so the shepherd comes up and it pulls him and struggles and gets him up out of the ditch. And the lamb just springs off just so happy and jumps right back down in the ditch and is stuck again. And I just looked at that and thought, that's me. You know? <laughs> it seems like once I get out of the ditch, I'm just right back in the ditch again. But you know, that's why he calls us sheep, because we need a shepherd. So whenever you get in the ditch, don't just give up. Your shepherd is there and he wants to help you out of that ditch. So uh, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You need to know that when the enemy attacks, your shepherd's going to show up and he will protect you. He'll protect you. So here's number two. Number one was he is with you in the battle. Number two, he blesses us in the battle. He blesses us in the battle. Look at this, verse five. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now, why would he do it in the presence of your enemies? I'll tell you why. Because he's not afraid of them. And you're not supposed to be afraid of them either. Jesus is not afraid of the devil. He's not afraid of demons. He's not afraid of demonic forces. We get this thing where we get so afraid of things like that. And he's not afraid of them. And he says, you prepare a table before me. He's going to nurture you. He's going to take care of you in the middle of the battle. And some of you can identify with this because you've been going through battles. And as you've gone through the battle, you've sensed that somehow you're being blessed even in the middle of the battle. He's going to bless you even while the battle's going on. Let's admit it. Sometimes we get so caught up in the battle that we miss the blessings. I remember I've, I've shared with this with y'all before about how I wound up laying in the bed in the hospital, not knowing if I was going to live or die, griping at God because he wasn't healing me. And I was supposed to be out taking care of other people. And, uh, and God, why are you doing this? What? Why, 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 I know you can heal me. Why, why, get me up out of this bed. And I was griping and griping. And the only thing that would come to mind was in everything, give thanks. 
for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And said, where'd that come from? God, you need to. And then all of a sudden it dawned on me. The Lord was speaking. He was answering my questions. And he answered my question with a command. In everything, give thanks. Not for everything, but in everything. Look around you, even when things are rough, and look at those things that you have to be grateful for. Some of our biggest blessings come right in the middle of some of the biggest battles. And you can miss them if you're not looking. You can miss them. God is giving us blessings in the middle of the battle. Sometimes all you can do is just be as faithful as you can. And as you are, the Lord blesses you and uses you. Third one is a short one. He refreshes us in the battle. Look at verse 5. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Now, oil obviously represents the Holy Spirit. But two things about this I want you to see. I want you to see the effects of the Holy Spirit are refreshing and strengthening. You know, we receive power when we receive the Holy Spirit. And we've been anointed with fresh oil. You receive refreshing and you receive strength as he comes and from his presence with you and in you. But here's the great thing. My cup runs over. He doesn't just give you a little sip from a canteen in the middle of the battle. Your cup runs over. Uh, he'll protect you so much that even when you're in a battle, if you'll let him, if you'll get your eyes off of uh, the enemy and on the Lord, he will refresh you and he will anoint you with power and strength to go through the battle. And this is all through the scripture. It says this, that he provides and he protects you know, I can remember, uh, you know, I've, I've, there was this time whenever, as far as an attack of the enemy, I went to the doctor, they did blood work, and they said, well, you have hepatitis A, B, and C. And uh, I said, no, no, no. I said, well, that's what the tests show. And they told me not. I said, so what can I do? They said, well, you're not, you're asymptomatic, so just... Don't drink and don't bleed on anyone. And, you know, I never thought about bleeding on anybody as, as a right, you know. But, I mean, all of a sudden, this was taken away from me. I couldn't bleed on anybody. I couldn't drink. Now, I wasn't going to think, oh, I'm going to go drinking. But all of a sudden, when somebody tells you you can't do something, then it's like, even if you not, don't want to do it, it's like something's been taken. Who are you to tell me? I can? Anyway. Hepatitis A, B, and C. I did a lot of, how did I get that? I'd had uh, what they call acute infectious hepatitis with his A. I knew that. Uh, it's like getting the flu and you get over it and then you move on. But uh, 
the B and C, that's, those are different matters. And, you know, I have, I've had friends die with hepatitis C. And those kind, you only, hepatitis C, you only got from dirty needles. And they was asking me about my drug use and things like that. And nothing like that. Nothing like that. But uh, they said, okay, we'll run the test again. And I said, thank you. And so uh, they ran the test again and said, yep, you got it, A, B, and C, you know. And uh, they ran the test a third time, A, B, and C. And uh, But all the time that I was going through this, I had peace. If I had it, cool. I was a walking miracle. They were At the end, they were saying, somehow your body has fought this off. I said, that's really neat. You know, I'm special. Anyway, when it was all over, it turned out they did one last test and it was false positive. I wasn't so special after all. But all through this, you see, there were all these, these there's this threat of death hanging over me, my, this threat of hurting other people and all this stuff. But I had peace. All the way through it, I knew that if I just stayed with the Lord, that everything was going to be cool. And that's the bottom line in the Christian faith is somehow everything's going to be okay. We may not know how, but the shepherd's with us. Our good shepherd is with us and he's going to see us through. You know, uh, if I didn't believe this, I couldn't have stepped into the ministry 48 years ago. I was in a lucrative profession with a secure job, and the Lord says, you ought to be a preacher. And uh, I was not real happy with that, but he called me to step out of the sure security of, uh, of that and just totally rely on him. And my great concern in doing this, though, it wasn't for me. I had found life in him. And I found that the only way to really live was to live your life for the Lord. He had showered his love upon me in such a way that I knew that the best place for me to be was with him and in his will. But I had a concern, and my concern wasn't for me, but for my family. We were getting ready, if we, if I did this, committed to this, we'd be sent places we didn't know, to live in houses we didn't own, and to not be given much to live on. And it was scary. Uh... As, as one who's striving so hard to be a good provider, to just take off into what appeared to be a, an insecure and unknown future, a lot of people just couldn't understand it. My boss was afraid I was having some sort of a breakdown. Uh, my, my mother couldn't understand it at all. And so, uh, but uh, we, and Sharon and I both, miraculously were called into this at the same time. But this is just it. I had to tell him, Lord, 
I'll do anything for you. I have found life in you. I want to serve you. But what about my family? And he replied, he said, Joel, you know I love you, don't you? And I said, yes. And I'm so grateful. He said, well, I want you to know that I love your family too. I love Sharon and those kids a lot more than you do. And I'm going to take care of them. I will provide for you. I will protect you. I will be with you as you go through all of this. And he gave me that promise. And that's what we're going to be talking about next week is he promises. And you know what? God always keeps his promises. He doesn't go back on his word. He has provided. He has protected. He has promised. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.